Welcome to the Movement 8 podcast. Uh, today I am chatting to Chris Sproston, the Head of Technology at Transport for Greater Manchester. Um, we are going to be mulling over the topic of sector experience. So is sector experience important? Um, and before we start, Chris, I want to give you a little bit of a stat that I've found. Um, there is a Harvard Business Review study that uh, reviewed 81 different studies around sector experience, um, and they found no correlation, no significant correlation between success in a role and, uh, and, and sector experience or industry experience. So something for us to mull over as we, uh, as we go through this. But I'd, I'd like to start by you just kind of giving me your personal experience in transitioning from one sector to another because i know it's something you've done a fair bit of yeah thanks thanks for the intro uh yeah my, my career has been a little bit interesting and a little bit different uh started in a we- bit of a weird place at the co-op group when i was 16 working part-time on a checkout while i was doing my gcse's and a levels intending to go to university do a degree in computer science and ended up in retail management instead and then just 25, just under 25 years later, when I left, I was head of software development across thousands of food stores, pharmacy branches, funeral homes and travel agents. So wow. that was a big chunk of my career. Uh, yeah. But but following on from that, I, I then did a couple of interim roles. So I did a, a bit as an interim COO at an Eastern European Neoshore Software Development Consultancy. That was uh, that was different, obviously, from my perspective. It was a little yeah. bit of gamekeeper team poacher, and it was seeing things from the side of the fence of those, you know, software consultancies that provide those resources and what they are looking for in in uh, companies that they want to engage with. Uh, did a small stint as well at uh, one of the Manchester-based universities on technology strategy. Again, really interesting time. They were still getting used to tuition fees. Customer was the king and the customers were now the students. So they could demand we want free Wi-Fi, et cetera, et cetera. And the university being run as a business more than a than a education uh, facility with uh, sales and marketing teams there and all the needs that they need from a technology perspective. Then the uh, next PM role at uh, South Staffordshire-based financial services mutual. It was founded in 1922, and some of the technology felt like it was still from 1922. <laughs> yeah. Again, it was different for me because it was the first time I was working in a regulated environment, which was challenging and required a little bit of a different mindset, specifically around things like risk appetite and all that sort of stuff that we have to have to look at. Uh, and what and and that was probably the biggest learning that I got from the time that was there. Then I went to a Greater Manchester-based e-commerce organisation. And again, whilst I knew a lot about traditional bricks and mortar retail from my time at the co-op, e-commerce was a totally different ball game with lots of buzzwords in there. Learned a lot from an amazing team there that were laser-focused on customer experience and constantly looking to improve conversions on the website and just the massive impact of speeding up a, a basket checkout process by a few seconds, the massive impact that can have on sales performance. Mm-hmm. And it was also the first experience I had of uh, fending off cyber attacks, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> that's, a, and then, that's a whole nother podcast, isn't it? A whole nother podcast. <laughs> uh, and then uh, 2020 in May, I joined Transport for Greater Manchester on an interim basis. 
and was enjoying it that much that I decided to go perm in June 2021. So as you can see, I have done that bit around, you know, totally different industries. I don't think I've actually worked in the same industry twice, actually. Yeah. And, and how have you how have you found just just generally, how have you found transitioning from one sector to to another in terms of in terms of um, how quickly you're able to get the lingo uh, and, and, you know, the, the different environments? What would you say is typically the kind of um, time it takes you to pick up that industry and really get to get to grips with things? I think that's a really good question. I think if you look at it from a technology perspective, a lot of what we do is the same. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's, it's sort of trying to immerse yourself into the organisation from a business perspective and understand what the unique things are or unique services that that business provides that that, that make it different. And, and I think, you know, as we talked about, those examples just... They were all doing lots of different things, but this technologies behind a lot of this stuff was the same. So I think it's that. I think it's meeting uh, leaders in the business and also spending some time at the sharp end as well and understanding some of the challenges that the end users face as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned that um, going into that financial services role was probably the, the more difficult transition that you that you had to make. Um, was that again that that's just because of the just because of the business and the focus in in the business yeah absolutely Uh, and like you say it was that bit around governance around risk and things like that where yeah you know we we did that at the co-op but it was a completely different level when you've got a financial services based company that's uh that yeah you're under constant audits etc etc yeah okay perfect And, and Obviously now, and you have been for some time, you, you're in a role where you would, uh, you know, you recruit your teams and, and, and people. Do you have a particular kind of um, view on proactively hiring outside of the sector um, that you operate in? Yeah, I think sometimes it depends on the capabilities you need the role to deliver. So technology can be a little bit generic, I suppose, in the same way that HR can, that finance can, that legal can. Uh, It's all about the core need, what you need. So if you want a software engineer, then software engineer is the core need that you've got. Like if we wanted a road traffic planner, you know, it's having road traffic planning experience that is the core need. So yeah. I think I think for those sort of generic layer of roles and functions, it, it's not doesn't really matter that much. I mean, following the pandemic, the, you know, there was loads of mad scrambles to attract talent and equally retain it. And I've seen organisations that are constantly looking for unicorns who've got both amazing technical skills uh, and equally also from within the same sector. And from my own personal experience, I always find it a lot easier to expose someone who's got the technical skills to a different industry than doing it the other way around. And uh, the vast majority of people that have hired at TFGM, you know, didn't have public transport experience, but had amazing technical ability. I mean, you probably know that I was selected because at TFGM because the, the person who recruited me wasn't looking for the, the the sort of ex, experience of the industry 
Yeah. And and the recruitment that we've done, you know, yeah, we were lucky and we did hire some unicorns over the past couple of years, but that was definitely not intentional. That was just luck. Yeah. And and I guess if you if you are constantly searching for those people who worked in sector, how do you how do you potentially bring new ideas and new ways of working to the to the table? How do you how do you improve processes? How do you um, bring, like I say, new ideas from other industries? You know, I, I remember recruiting years and years ago for uh, for for banks in in London, and you know the requirement list was must have X amount of years in this niche within financial services, and then as everything became more digitized and open banking and banking apps and all that sort of stuff that that requirement slowly started to drop off because actually they realized the value in hiring people from retail and and much faster paced industries that that would actually add value so do you find when you when you bring in those people from out of the sector you get more of a melting pot of ideas and and actually improve what you're doing yeah, definitely. Because again, within the technology industry, we're constantly evolving, constantly changing. New things are coming down the line all the time. And I think it's, it's having that, like you say, that melting pot of different ideas and someone coming in and just seeing it with a different pair of eyes and asking, you know, sometimes asking the dumb questions that actually aren't dumb questions because it's like, oh my God, why do we never ever think of that? Yeah. It's those different perspectives that add that variety. Yeah. So so why why is it then that so many companies still insist on insist on that sector experience? What 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 do you what do you think it kind of what's it pinned in? So I think I think it's a comfort blanket. I you know, I honestly believe companies do that they do this are missing a trick. When I wrapped up uh, my role before this one in late 2019, I started looking for a new one in early March 2020. And agencies that I spoke to kept asking me what industry I wanted to work in. And my answer was always that the industry doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is the challenge of the role and the organisational culture. And I actually got to the final stage for three roles. And the feedback was always, they thought it was a great fit for the role, but we offered the role to someone with industry experience. And that just frustrated me so much that I wrote my first ever article on LinkedIn. Uh, first and only article on LinkedIn, because I've got <laughs> some time on my hands. Uh, called, called Thinking Outside the Box. And where that came from, I was at, Gar- at a Gartner conference a few years ago. And uh, they were talking about uh, sparking transformation, transformative innovation using cross-industry thinking. And how many times have we heard about thinking outside the box? And, and that's what he says. And the blog I did was called Innovation Outside the Box. And a couple of a couple of really good examples that, that stood out to me was I was fortunate enough to go to a Gartner conference and one of the, one of the key speakers uh, was a guy called Hamish Taylor, who's known in the industry as the master thief. And he takes ideas from one industry and applies them to another. So when he was at British Airways, they were, wanted to do the first ever completely live flat seat in a plane. And they went to loads of aircraft seat manufacturers and they couldn't do it. So Amish went outside the industry, looked for ones that created luxury and confined spaces, ended up working with a yacht manufacturer. And the same concepts that Amish did then, still there today, exactly the same concepts. And again, in in 1993, they were seeing loads of complaints about queuing at check-in desks. 
to again looked outside to a different industry that actually made queuing fun and flew execs over from Walt Disney Park Street for over to see what they were doing wrong. And that's where the first ever airport zigzag queues were born. You yeah. know, not only that, other things like making the queues narrower to give people perceptions of queues moving faster, even though the time in the queue was the same and putting markers at specific points saying, you know, it's going to take you uh, 30 minutes now to get to the check-in desk, even when it was only 25 minutes again to give customers that perception of this is really good. But yeah. organisations could benefit so, so much from just a fresh pair of inquisitive eyes. That's it. And, and you know, I, I don't I don't doubt that in terms of somebody, somebody within the industry joining a uh, joining a company potentially in that first three months would would get up to speed a little bit quicker. But there's still going to be some nuances and all that sort of stuff. But longer term, longer term. Are they are they going to add more value than somebody who comes in from a different sector with different ideas, different ways of working, who who then adapts uh, and learns and learns that sector? The study that I quoted at the start says no, and just you you your gut feel as a as a leader probably says no uh, as well because it all depends on the individual, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah, some really, really good examples in there. Um, we, you touched on this uh, on this uh, a little bit earlier, but I just want to delve into kind of how you feel the technology uh, changes or, 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 or how you adapt to certain sectors and, and, and different sectors. So the nuances in, in tech, I guess. Okay. Uh, well, I think the core technology, again, as we touched on earlier, in the majority of cases doesn't change, albeit, you know, it could be using Google Workspaces instead of Office 365, Oracle instead of SAP 3RP, Tableau instead of Power BI for data and insight. And equally, a lot of the challenges we face as senior technology leaders are the, are the same, you know, moving on-prem to the cloud, cybersecurity, talent retention, project delivery. But for me, it is all about immersing yourself into those services that the organisation provides that make it unique. It also depends as well on where that organisation is on their journey and what collateral information they've got on those services that are industry specific. Uh, at TFGM, as part of the work we've been doing on bus franchising, we've took the opportunity to now start defining what the end-to-end -end business services are as part of bus franchising. And the key is to get an understanding then of the business specific needs and the technology to underpin them. Starting with that business architecture piece, what processes does each function do? What capabilities do they need to achieve them? Then mapping the technology onto that capability needs to just create those end-to-end -end services. So, you know, some organisations will potentially have none of that. Some will be on the journey like we are. Some will have a wall of it. But it's just that immersing yourself into the actual business rather than just worrying about servers and and yeah. wiring and, and all that sort of stuff be a part of the business and a true partner yeah and then and then i guess like you say what tool you're using for a particular you know service or or, or to provide a particular um piece of piece of technology that, that doesn't really doesn't really matter does it no not really yeah um so we we talked earlier about um learning curves uh and um transitioning from one sector to another so how how did you how did you kind of tackle that 
um, learning curve or what was the biggest challenge that you that you faced and how did you adapt? Yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge I've had is the, the, the TFGM one. Yeah. Uh, and again, just going back to the previous question, a load of the commodity stuff is the same, yeah. But for me, when I, I looked at TFGM, and it, to, to be honest, one of the reasons I went perm was the pure diversity of what TFGM does and what we've done while I've been there. It's not about just creating a bit of software that goes and sits in the cloud and crunches some numbers. It's proper, physical, tangible stuff you can touch and feel. I mean, yeah. in the time I've been there, you know, we've rolled out a new cycle scheme. We do all the uh, technology that sits in the interchanges and we're just doing a load in stop ports at the moment, ready for that to go live. We've got contactless payments on the tram network. And as I said, we're gearing up for bus franchising with the first bus rolling out the depot on the 24th of September. I think for me, I always, always look to try and have value as soon as possible. And someone gave me some really good advice once, and that was don't put yourself under pressure to try and understand everything in record time. Just let it wash over you, and then the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle will start coming together. And it's advice at TFGM that I give to all new starters that we have in the team as soon yeah. as they join, because it can seem really, really overwhelming. And I think that's the piece of advice I'd give anyone who's moving into an industry that they, that's new to them is, you know, yeah, I love to add value as soon as possible, but, you know, don't beat yourself up if it feels like, you know, it's not happening because it will happen. Yeah. It's just your brains making the connections in the background. Yeah, and it's it's a completely natural desire, isn't it? When you move into a new role, whether you're a software engineer or whether you're a, whether you're a CIO, you, you you want to you want to know everything immediately, don't you? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's not it's not possible. But you know, it certainly um, it certainly kind of goes in by osmosis, and then suddenly you find yourself talking about something that you knew nothing about. Exactly, a exactly. relatively short period of time ago. Um, yeah. So, my, my 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 last question for you is do you feel that the attitudes to sector experience have changed and evolved over kind of the last 10 years so do you feel it's become less important it, yes definitely and i think the reason for that is there's so much commodity SaaS solutions out there that no matter what industry sector you're in again we all face the same challenges and that gives technology leaders the opportunity to focus on the industry part and also look at things from that different angle. How many times have we heard young children say, why, 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 why? Yeah, I'd rather add more value to an organisation asking the why question in relation to a business I don't know, rather than a technology stack, as it could be the disruptor that takes the organisation to the next level. Yeah. And. You know, certainly from uh, a recruitment perspective, I think uh, 10 years ago, uh, and as I referenced before, 10 years ago, particularly in financial services, but also in uh, in other in other areas, there was a real desire to have people who had extensive industry experience. Um, and now, whereas before it would be on the essential skills of a job description, it's just come down the pecking order into those desirable skills. Which I think is where it, where where it should be, you know. Like you said, Agreed. if you can find that unicorn who fits the bill from a technology perspective and has that little bit of industry knowledge, uh, then then great. But if you keep searching for that, you're going to be you're going to be looking for some time, I'd imagine. 
Um, uh, Chris, thanks very much for, for, for joining me. It's been a really, uh, really interesting and, uh, and fruitful discussion. I think we've pretty much put the world to rights on, uh, on sector experience. Yeah. So thanks very much for joining me. No problem. Thanks, Rick. Bye.